All right, welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Robert Kohler of Kohler Law Group. Robert is both an entrepreneur, but has also started a really kick-ass law firm. He is the way I guess the, the simple pitch is outsourced in-house counsel, and it's such a simple concept, but it makes so much sense. And I had never heard the pitch before. And we see all these companies, our clients, with messed up contracts or something wasn't done right in just kind of the in-house counsel stuff. And so I want to have Robert on uh, so we could talk about his practice and so you could learn a little bit more. Welcome, Robert. Thank you very much. Um, hey, nice to meet everyone out there. And Scott, I want to thank you for the invitation to do this podcast. Oh, of course. So, yeah. so you, like when we talked, we totally hit it off on the phone. Yep. Um, so maybe tell the audience, like, how did you get into this business? Like, how did you have the insight that startups would need outsourced in-house counsel? So, you know, I was, so, you know, I started out in a big firm in Century City in L.A. Um, not a big firm guy whatsoever. So I, after one year, back then it was like, you need to stay for one year, otherwise you look like you're bouncing too much. So I stayed there for one year. Uh, like a year and a day afterwards, I had found another job. It was an in-house counsel for a software company, and they were in uh, Chatsworth in L.A. Um, and the founder, who was a very wealthy guy, taking a company public, um, wanted to move to Belvedere in Tiburon. So packed up the whole company. Moved up here, and I was really happy. I mean, L.A. is cool, but the Bay Area is cooler. So came up here, worked there for a couple of years, and then I saw a real need. It was a, it was a, a game development company uh, and publisher. And I saw a real need for some of the small developers to have access to quality legal without just paying so much they couldn't afford it. So I decided to just start my own practice and focused on small developers doing deals didn't have the resources to pay a big firm, um, and that's how it all started. I'm nodding my head vigorously here because you're, you're nailing it. Like, there's a there's a place for the Wilsons and yep. the other big law firms, and it's typically around fundraising and things like that. And you want to make sure you get that stuff right. Yep. But all the other stuff can be done so much more cost effectively, and it's by people like you who just know your stuff. You have right. a commercial background, you know business, yep. so you know what the law agreements need, to, the legal agreements need to look like. It makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, that's, and the DNA of Kohler Law Group is so basically it's a virtual firm. And back 20 years ago when I found it, I was a little bit nervous to say it was a virtual firm because you have to have a you know, marble foyer and all that <laughs> stuff. Now it's like, if you're not, if it's not a virtual firm, then, yeah. wow, you're stodgy and, like, yeah, it's very expensive. The clients are a lot more savvy these days. They uh, totally. Know, they know they're overpaying if there's marble right. anywhere around there. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And also, yeah, and also I think um, – so, so my model is this. So I hire only – 20 to 30 plus year attorneys. They're uh, general counsel, big firms coming from general counsel, big firms or partners at a big firm. And they say, oh my God, this is such a perfect opportunity for me to be at home, have a, a balanced lifestyle family mix. I'm there to send the kids off to school, take them to soccer practice. I'm also up until three in the morning to close a quarter under year end deal. So they're really experienced. They understand the business side. So it's business solutions plus legal. And I think they're a little, maybe 60% is the legal side, but also just giving advice on, on sort of business solutions that will mm-hmm. be palatable with the other party. And it could be a Fortune 500 company or it could be a small developer. But coming up with deals that work and closing deals quickly and not over-lawyering. Yeah. That's all. It's, I, I was really impressed because it, it sounded like fantastic lawyers, but they really value their own personal freedom. And it sounded like you actually employ a ton of women, which I, I really respect. My yep. mom owned her own business. Vanessa's our founder. Yep. 
And so I know from my mom's business that a lot of her team members really valued flexibility. Maybe I'll pick the kids up at school yep. or doing whatever needs. Yep. And I thought that was super smart of you to just kind of cater to that type of employee. Was yeah. there a few in the early days where you're like, gave you the light bulb and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a yeah, lot of great you know people, what? a lot of great lawyers out there that I could hire like there, this. There are. And actually they, they sort of flock to me too because they're like, <laughs> Wow, I don't have to drive an hour to Palo Alto, yep. an hour back every day. This is fantastic. And I, you know, I've really come to understand that this is not, you know, my attorneys are not just, they're not just there for a quick, like, okay, I need to fill some time before I get another real job. They're there for the long haul because this is really great and it fits their lifestyle. And a happy attorney equates to happy clients. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good model, um, you know, in... Yeah, so that's and so women are particularly well suited to it because they're very you know it's family, it's got to have kids and yeah. So I so I don't select it my you know female only by any by any means, but um, I've really had a lot of success with attorneys because they're in it for the long haul. And my attorneys have been with me for ten plus years. I think the most recent was like five plus years. So they they love it. They do. And uh, and they love the practice. And they love the diversity. We're high tech. Everything could be hardware, software, internet, bio, pharma, green. So that's... I'm sure your clients love the continuity too, because they do. especially in legal and accounting is the same kind of thing. Like yep. Vanessa, all of Vanessa's early, most of Vanessa's early clients are still with us, and it's because once you understand the legal structure and understand what the company is doing. And what the contracts look like before, yeah. it's it's much easier. And you're not taking chances. You're not screwing things up unintentionally. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure you get that kind of feedback. It, it, that's exactly right. And so another difference between Color Law Group and some other firms where if you're in a, you know, a large firm, then the project's going to be delegated to an associate based on their availability. Great point. And in this case, it's the same attorney, Kohler Law Group, doing 95% of the work. Now, if they're, if they're, bu- they're busy at a moment, then they usually, make the, they usually have, um, you know, they make time for the, that particular client because it's their client. Or if they go on vacation or they're sick, then, then the, another Kohler Law Group attorney will step in. But... Um, but typically, it's like having an in-house counsel. They know your personality. They know your um, appetite for risk. They know what your deal looks like. And they close things. It's just closing deals really quickly. And in 24, 48-hour turnaround, it's fantastic. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Can you talk to – so one of the things I love about you also is that you're an entrepreneur. Yep. And so I'd love to hear kind of about some of your businesses in a second. But yep. having that entrepreneur background yourself, talk about how that influences the kind of advice you give to your clients. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so I founded and sold and raised venture capital and dealt with the headaches of a board and, you know, operations, day-to-day <laughs> operations. I'm living with a couple headaches of the board right now. Yeah, that's right, the exactly. Real, that's right. the real thing. And so, that, uh, I, so I don't have as much hair as I used to. But anyway, but it's so – and also finding successful exits to those. Um, and that just – I really have a, a good understanding. I love being an entrepreneur, and I love um, – my advisory roles with companies as well. That's just really, that, that gets me excited. So the combination between the legal and the business is just, I mean, I wake up every day happy and I smile. That's great. And I, you know, as someone who consumes legal advice, I really appreciate lawyers who can kind of lay it out for me, the legal risks, and then give me some business advice later mm-hmm. on. That, yeah. You know, like simplifying things and yep. letting me know, like, here's the business ramifications. Yep. For if you make this decision, and it sounds like you're really good at doing that. Exactly, and it's just some of the really basic, simple things. I mean, get it in writing, keep it simple, um, and just be very clear about hey, what are the expectations on both parties? What are the deliverables? What are the payment terms? You know, I mean, it's really 
basic. Like, hey, you know, when you do a handshake agreement, essentially, okay, I'll deliver this. Um, I'm going to need this much up front, and or here's the delivery schedule. And, I mean, it's so basic, but it has to be in writing to be enforceable. Yeah. And I've seen so many things go go wrong where it's just based on an email, not a signed email, just an email, and then things blow up. It's not enforceable. So, yeah, agreements are are very simple, but they have to be very they have to be spelled out and legally enforceable. Yeah. What kind of documents and legal advice do you give clients? Like specifically, kind of what are your what's your bread and butter? So basically anything contracts. So um, contracts, HR, employment law. And I do have a securities attorney that actually personally worked with me on my own ventures, everything from incorporation, shareholder agreements, fundraising, exit. So very, very good. And he works a lot with a lot of my startup clients um, that say, you know what, I don't want to pay Wilson this much or Cooley or, you know, you name the name brand firm. So, but... But typically, our contracts are, you know, everything from just reviewing a sales agreement, um, putting together privacy policy, terms of terms of service, um, anything contractual, manufacturing agreements, um, and if it's uh, international, then we usually take the first stab at coming up with the contract and then review it by local counsel just to make sure that it's uh, that it uh, comports with whatever the, the local jurisdiction requires. And so. I think people don't, you know, the audience might not always understand, but like. Your contracts with your customers, there's a ton of scrutiny on those once you start really accelerating as a business. Like I'm doing two accounts receivable deals mm-hmm. for cruise clients right now. Mm-hmm. Both are in the audit stage. Like the bankers actually have to hire another accounting firm to audit those and a lawyer to make sure those contracts are enforceable. Yeah. And if you don't do this stuff right, A, you may not be able to collect the money, and yeah. B, you might not be able to get an accounts receivable line. Yeah. And that's really valuable capital as you're growing your business. Because most startups, as they start growing, they're eating cash up. And so being able to get a good credit line is actually very important for them. It is. And, you know, taking shortcuts on that is it's, it's not worth it in the long run. I mean, it's not that difficult to come up with a template agreement or at least have if it's, if it's like if you're the small guy and there's the big guy and they put their paper in front of you, just making sure it's reviewed and make sure it's not too onerous. And there's always concessions. That's just how contracts work. There's always concessions. Mm-hmm. It's just determining where's a reasonable concession and how is this going to affect me in the future? Uh, you know, not a sort of any conflict or what's the conflict defined as? Is it a similar company or a similar um, sort of uh, client? Anyway, there's a, there's a lot of little nuances that you have to think about on a going forward basis. Mm-hmm. What's going to affect my potential for new clients, for revenues, for developers, for hiring independent contractors, there's all kinds of things. And I think you know, our firm is very, very astute at looking at those and coming up with solutions that make sense um, and also make sense for both parties. We really create win-wins. That's great. And looking at your at the Cooler Law Group's mm-hmm. uh, website, you have like the who's who of startups you work with. And maybe you can even just name a few, just so just so the audience knows who we're talking to here. Yeah, yeah. So we've started. So basically, where we fall in the ecosystem is again, most of our clients are not most of, but the majority of our clients work with a big firm for the fundraising. The board likes them, investors like them, etc. Blah blah blah. But we handle the day to day stuff, and we've grown with so many of our clients, especially recently getting a ton of startup clients um, and that's just because also I'm very close to the startup community myself um, as an advisor and just I like to schmooze I like to meet you know find interesting technologies but some of our clients include or and still include but they also included prior to going public Splunk Marketo Facebook some very uh, crescendo uh, bio number of other very large um, very large publicly traded companies 
and, and our involvement's actually slowed with them because they now have a huge in-house legal department, but we handle overflow. And also, we really brought them to where they are now. I mean, we were the primary contract, or primary law firm for getting them to the place where they did a C round or a D round and then hired a general counsel, and we worked closely with the general counsel. They went public, you know, created their own in-house legal department, and so we're there as backup. And uh, so, yeah. And, and you know, all those companies you named had done IPOs, mm-hmm. and so you know your work is legit because mm-hmm. companies, before they go public, IPOs going public and selling shares to the public, they have to go through a lot of legal scrutiny, Huge. especially on their customer contract. Like a company like Splunk, it's yep. an enterprise customer with yep. tons of contracts. Like, So we know you did a good job with those guys. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Well, the bankers, <laughs> the bankers are going to review <laughs> things very, very closely. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, talk about how, because you mentioned a little bit about how you built your practice, but like you talked about networking. I think you're, you have a, a great personality. So I have a yep. feeling you're someone who likes to get out there and meet a lot yeah. of new people. Like, how have you built the practice? I built the practice, you know, just through a lot of networking. And, um, and I'm very, I mean, I consume so many uh, tech blogs and, and so much content. And then if I see something interesting, I'll, I'll often just reach out to the CEO and say, hey, it looks really cool. I'm not here to pitch you. I'm actually here just to talk to you because you've got a fantastic, amazing background, very diverse. And I do too. And I think, you know what, we play in the same high-tech sandbox. <laughs> Let's get to be friends. I think That's really those, how it starts. Yeah, and I think a lot of those guys actually really appreciate it when you're using their product. Like yeah. you can actually give feedback. You know, you're you're exactly. a consumer too, and yep. you also have this expertise in, in the law, which I always do. I do. Yeah. I do yeah. a lot. I'll say, you know what, <laughs> this is kind of screwed up, dude. Um, so I need to fix this. But uh, and, and yeah, they're very appreciative. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of networking, and and you have just a huge client base. So yeah. you're getting a lot of referrals, I assume. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, talk about so uh, uh, aside from the law, you have a couple different entrepreneurial ventures. One of which is a great restaurant in San Francisco. Two restaurants. Two restaurants. I'm sorry, I only knew about the one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you could share it with the audience. Yeah, so um, like ten plus years ago, I had a bunch of friends in my network of friends, uh, my social network, and everyone was complaining, bitching about how much they hated their jobs. They're all from culinary <laughs> backgrounds, executive chef, front of the house manager, back of the house. Um, and I said, guys, you know what? Why don't we just go look around for an underutilized space? Found something in a place called Hayes Valley, and just which had, is a which ten years ago was kind well, of quiet and not super safe. Well, it was also yeah. a little sketchy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was yeah. Uh, it was sketchy. So, but it, but it's close to the opera and the it's ballet. Huge now. I mean, Hayes Valley it, is like an it neighborhood. Yeah. It is exactly. So we got that, and we had all of our friends come in. So I invested money in that, and and um, and all my partners really invested a lot of hard work and they're they're really diligent workers and it was sweat great. equity sweat equity exactly yeah. baby uh so we did that and had our friends come in and basically just start basically banging out walls and painting it and turned it into it's a really successful restaurant it's called sauce uh and then we opened a nightclub shine um we oh, sold that, that property okay, yeah, yeah yeah shine was yeah, yeah. Um, and then also then we opened a second sauce um, in the financial district, uh, Belden Place in San Francisco. And, uh, and the, the first sauce, uh, we were able to buy the entire building that's in, so we're no longer beholden to a landlord. Mm, that's is, huge, especially great. in like restaurants and retail where the exactly. land, landlord can change things on you in 10 years and exactly. right. really screw you over. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there's that. Um, I also you know, I'm, I have a couple income properties. I, I dabble in... 
And my own, I have some ventures as well, just in high tech, because that's I love high tech. <laughs> I'm a high tech guy <laughs> through and through. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I was in your computer club, math club, you name it, dorky. I didn't go into proms, but I did all that stuff. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, so that's You're making up for that now. Yeah, yeah. right. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and um, and then I advise a number of companies, and I love doing that as well. So I'm advising a nanotech company, a crypto company, hardware and software crypto for everything from browser to um, mobile, voice, GSM, CDMA, and um, also IoT stuff. So there's that and image recognition. I mean, basically, if it looks cool to me, I love it. Yeah. And, and this is not so much legal um, consulting. This is very much on the business side, yeah. looking over decks, et cetera. Well, how has your, in maybe, how is your business experience like building sauce ground up yeah how has that influenced your legal practice like the kind of advice you give to startups yeah it's just pragmatic yeah you know i've been there i've seen it um i know some of the issues you have to be careful it like you know for a restaurant it's very different than a, a hardware or a software company but there's still things you want to make sure you have the continuity of the lease um and just like in law practice we want to have the continuity with the clients and but pragmatic is such a good word because you wrote the checks for sauce to get right. it going. Mm-hmm. You know how valuable capital mm-hmm. is. You know how when you have a huge legal bill, how that's eating into the capital base of the startup. Yeah. Like you're giving really solid advice and yeah. doing it in a cost effective way. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? If something's outside of our bailiwick, outside of our wheelhouse, I'm the first to say, you know, what? this is a great question. We love we. This is outside of what we do. So. And I think clients appreciate that. We do the same oh, thing. Totally. And, you know, yeah. our goal in those situations is to get you to the best provider. Exactly. And we know it comes back to us in spades on a good referral later. So it's it's in our best interest to help you out as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I realize that, too, because you're helping. Ultimately, you're helping your client or I'm helping a company I'm advising. I'm giving them advice. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. And they're looking for connections. And, I mean, my, my network is gigantic. So it's, you know, pretty much I, I can put... I can find someone to fill whatever needs you may have. And I love doing that, too. I love being a connector. So it's not just for compensation. It's just, I mean, that's what, that, must, that makes me happy. That's I love great. doing it. Yeah. What's, what are some, you know, this is, I always like to have a few tips and things that people can learn. Or what, what are a few tips you recommend to startup entrepreneurs? Or maybe a funny story about, yeah. uh, and I, we were talking about one before I turned the mics yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what, what kind of things can you share with the audience to help them improve both kind of how they operate the business and also just being smart about their legal team and legal yeah. advice? Well, so the, the first thing is, Use your attorney as the bad guy. So let's say you're negotiating something, you're negotiating an agreement, and there's like there's some points of friction there. You know, you want to maintain that goodwill and that that have that person sort of respect you and the um, a kind of a working together attitude. And where there's points where you're like, you know what, I don't want to do this termination clause isn't working for me. You basically feed your attorney that and say this is kind of bad, and you make the attorney be the bad guy. I mean, I do for all of my deals, uh, personal deals in companies in the past. I'd always have an attorney, so I, I would basically be directing them what to do. But they were still the bad person, and I'd say like, "Gosh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'd like to, it makes sense. You know, I understand your point, but I've got to defer to my attorney." It's so, such, that's such good advice, and I've used the words like, "My attorney won't let me sign this." Document. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. Totally use them as the bad guy. Right, good exactly. Cop, bad cop works yep it does and like you know you're you are preserving the relationship after that yeah exactly it is yeah and it's just in the long run because you you don't you don't have an acrimonious relationship yeah. or, or it, you know dynamic to start up the, the this long-term agreement where you're gonna be working together and 
whatever. And, you know, I also find that the other party in that transaction understands what they're asking for. Yep. They understand they're asking for something aggressive. Sure. Sure. And so a lot of times they're actually just probing to see if yep. you actually agree to it on I the agree. first on the first rev, you know. So pushing back and having a good attorney pushback will actually yeah. help them respect you more exactly and you get to the right deal points right and you know, you're still you're still buddy buddy yeah too. exactly I, yeah exactly so there's that um here's a funny story that you mentioned so so after reaching out to a particular a cfo for a long time because i love their, their product and i thought it was really interesting i'm like i want to talk to you and actually work with you as your attorney and save you money so finally, he said he got an email from me, and just before that, he was literally, five minutes before that, he was reviewing an invoice from one of the big firms, and immediately picked up the phone, called my mobile, started talking. He said, you know, I'm going to give you a try, because I'm, this, this <laughs> invoice is just so ridiculous. I spent $4,000 on an NDA. What? So anyway, um, so called me, and after two months, of, we started working with him and giving more deals, and usually it starts out pretty slow. Here's a... Here's a one-off deal. There's another one. And then you sort of get, we get involved with their, their VP of sales and things like that and start doing more and more. And after the second month of billing, he called me up on my mobile again. He said, you know what? I just reviewed your invoice. And this is the first time in so many years I have not said what the fuck at the top <laughs> of his lungs in the hall because, because he was like, I can't believe this bill. How, what's going on here? Because it's he, so reasonable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Because he was like, God, this, I mean, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. This is, yeah, this yeah. is a kind of, this is less than I thought it would be. Yeah. But yeah. So. That's amazing. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Is there something, so I think your advice on giving, you know, having a bad guy is awesome advice. Is there is there an air a common air in maybe it's contracts or maybe it's the way a startup set themselves up that that you see and it's like because this happens to us sometimes like we'll have a, a early stage company come to us and they're set up as an LLC yeah. and it drives me crazy because yeah. no venture capital fund can invest in exactly. an LLC company. Yep. So I'm always like, look, if you're gonna do this for reals, you need to be a Delaware C Corp. Exactly. Are there other things like that? And maybe it's the 83B filing. What 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 common mistakes do you see people making? Uh, well, I mean, this is just a, a high level. So it's not really thinking through where do you want to be, where is this gonna go, what needs to be in place, yeah, to be able to attract, you know institutional venture capital or even friends and family or even a super angel or angel round what needs to be there what you want to have all your ducks in a row and make sure everything is tight to start with it's there might be a little more expense initially and more invested time on your part and your attorney's part but really once it's in place you have that foundation to move forward and you're not thinking, oh my God, I've got to back, we've got to unwind this, we got to go back on this. It's there. And, you know, again, I think it's more of a, it's a time investment too on, on a startup founders or founders um, part to do that properly. I, do, I totally agree. And it's a waste of, like when you have to go back and unwind things, it's yep. a waste of money and energy. It is. And you see, and, and you know, the Series A investors know what they're looking for. They're going to make you do a ton of legal work if you're not set up correctly. Right, exactly. If you have bad contracts, you're going to have to unwind everything. It's like, yep. It is like just doing it right to start is and, is hugely important. Exactly. And it's 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 not that much more. It's incrementally more expensive and more time consuming. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, I've been in situations too where you have to like, oh God, we have to clean up everything. And it's just so, it's, I don't like doing that. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you probably like the work. I know we don't I, like that no, work. It's like, no. not, it's not interesting to us. No, you know? and it's, yeah. It's we like, do it because the client needs it, but it's exactly. not fun for us. No, it's not fun either. Yeah. No, exactly. 
You talked about earlier you're advising a cryptocurrency company. And I don't know. I've been fascinated. This is totally a tangent. But I've been fascinated with the rise of Bitcoin and Ethereum and this thing called the DAO. Are you plugged into all this stuff? I'm not. No. You know what? So the crypto company has nothing. It's not cryptocurrency. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is just just basic NSA crypto. Oh, it's it's security technology. It's security, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's hardware, software. um, And then. How did you get involved in that? So a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of these, the companies I advise, it's just from random sort of meetings and balance, you know, meeting at sort of a social event or or meeting just online and start talking, going like, wow, that sounds really, like the nanotech company. I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. You're able to determine the size of a molecule and determine what that indicates in terms of human health. I'm in. That sounds really that is cool. Very interesting. Yeah. It is really cool. So I mean, this is this is a garage company right now, and I mean literally a garage company. But I like taking flyers like that too, and you know, and it's it's fun for me. Yeah, um, and it's fun talking to like the scientist. He's one of those guys where I really don't understand most of the um, the words or acronyms or anything else. But I sort of get it, like, when he dumbs it down, I'm like, then I'm, I'm like, write this for a third grader, okay? I mean, seriously, write this for a third yeah. grader, because then I'll understand That's it. a good exercise, though, because that's how you have to communicate with investors, too. Yeah. You know, and being able to simplify Precisely. the pitch. Fred Wilson, his famous VC, yep. had a great blog post today where he talked about Twilio, because Twilio yep. went public today. Yep. And he said it was the best uh, seed pitch he'd ever heard. And all the founder did hmm. walk in, open up his laptop write five lines of code and made Fred Wilson's phone ring. And at that point, Fred Wilson's like, we're in. I'm investing in Twilio. Wow. And today they went yeah. public at like a $1.5 billion valuation. And it was up you know? 65% Yeah, or crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. What are you seeing in the financing market? Are you seeing valuations stay the same or is it cooling? Like, we're... What are, you, what are you seeing out there? I haven't seen a market, markedly different um, uh, valuation. Um, but I mean, I think... You know, in some ways, you know, I read stories and TechCrunch and, and basically all the blogs where it seems like it's cooling a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, Excel just raised and, and Kleiner and, uh, gosh, I forgot. Um, Everybody like raised. Yeah, and they're doing like multiple like yeah. billion, billion dollar yeah. rounds. So the, so the limited partners are still bullish on it. Um, and, uh, you know, Uber's raising Uber, Airbnb. All those guys are raising just ungodly amounts of money. Um, so, you know, I don't know. And I think for startups, I haven't really noticed a real shift in that, um, especially if you're doing, if you're doing like a quarter million or 500000 or even a million dollar. Um, you know, I think there's still, if, if you have the right pitch and you have the right people to speak with and you also, you're trusted as well and you have, the, you know, the experience in the background, I still, it's, I don't, I haven't seen anything just, it's not like the, some of the bubbles previously. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel exactly as you do. Like, I don't think valuations are really going down. What The only thing I'm seeing is that good companies are totally getting funded and yep. sometimes they're getting funded even higher valuations. Yep. It's the guys – like, I feel like last year kind of warped everyone. It was like even mediocre companies were getting funded last yep. year. And I think that's slowing. And I so, agree. No, that I, I agree with you. On but that. if you have the goods, you're yep. getting funding. Like, yep. And there's a lot of people fighting over your deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, can you tell the audience kind of just where they can find you online, how they get a hold of you, what sure. your web address is, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Robert Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R, firm is Kohler Law Group, www.kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R, hyphen, L-A-W.com. And email is rkohler, R-K-O-H-L-E-R, at Kohler.com 
hyphenlaw.com. That's fantastic. Thank you for being on the podcast. You're Absolutely. a super high energy guy. It's really fun to interview you. Oh, and thank you. I highly recommend your services. Like outsource in-house counsel yeah. makes so much sense. And I see just ginormous legal bills for very basic things like you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. having someone who's actually focused and not having like the associate at a big yeah, firm like exactly. you're talking about is actually really, really important. Yeah. And it just cuts out so much back and forth. So you actually save money and you get a better product. So I'm yeah, a exactly. fan of what you're doing. Very Thanks good. for coming on, Robert. Yeah, really appreciate thank it. you very much for inviting me. I awesome. appreciate it. Nice talking to everyone. Thanks.